as men and women, we need to step back and ask ourselves, in my life, where's the wildly important gap? And I think that's an important question. Some people probably have bigger gaps in their non-work life than they do in their work life. Buckle up. You're listening to Terminal Exchange. This is episode 18 of Terminal Exchange, the official podcast of Newsbomb Transportation. And I'm Philip Adams. There's still time to register for our Newsbomb Family Fund run that's happening May 11th. Uh, that is in support of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. So just go to newsbomb.com slash St. Jude to get yourself registered. Uh, bring your whole family along. Invite your friends, uh, neighbors, coworkers, anybody you know. Bring them on out. It'll be worth the while. And uh, we'd love to see you there. Earlier this month, a few people from our operations and sales teams attended H&I Corporation's annual carrier conference. If you remember, last year, Newspawn was honored with their 2018 Carrier of the Year Award with an on-time delivery score of 99%. And this year, we are thrilled to share that our very own Livy Stoller was recognized with H&I's 2019 Outstanding Customer Service Award. Chris Saranda, uh, Newsbomb's director of sales, expressed that it was an, it was really neat to hear all the comments that were shared of Livy from the people that she works with at H&I every day. And there were many kind words of Livy's professionalism, positive attitude, work ethic, and communication skills. Her outside of the box thinking and drive to find a solution for their team was highly valued. Congratulations, Livy, on this recognition and, and thank you for your dedicated service to all the customers you interact with every day. And for the rest of you, uh, See a picture of Livy with her really unique award. I'm not going to tell you what it was, uh, but uh, head on over to our podcast page at terminalexchange.org. And when I say what it was, it's it's unique. Check it out. In this week's feature exchange, I'm talking with our 40X guru and Franklin Covey consultant, Les Kashner. You may recognize the Franklin Covey name from Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which has sold over 15 million copies worldwide. Franklin Covey is a leader in helping organizations achieve results that require lasting changes in human behavior. Their ultimate aim is to deliver not just incremental, but transformational results. At Newsbomb, we've implemented Franklin Covey's four disciplines of execution, otherwise known as 40X. In this exchange with Les, we'll dive into what those disciplines are and how organizations and individuals can leverage the 40X process to achieve their wildly important goals. Now, Newsbomb is in our third round of 40X initiatives, and in each round, leadership has established a goal for all of our non-driving staff to work towards. In this third round, we are focusing on reducing our driver turnover rate from 38% to 25% by the end of August this year. Now, while 38% turnover in the -the over-the-road trucking sector is relatively good, we're not satisfied with that number, and we truly feel there are things that we can do to improve. Since officially kicking off this round in January, we've already seen our turnover number decrease to 35%. And there's a long ways to go yet, but our team is working hard to close the gaps in the areas that affect reasons why drivers leave our company or simply don't remain engaged. We want Newsbomb to be the best work experience any of our employees, both drivers and non-drivers ever have. 
and, and working on those things that alleviate pain points or, or bring increased satisfaction will go a long ways in realizing that goal and reducing our turnover. We've already highlighted a few of our team's efforts in previous episodes of this podcast, and we look forward to sharing even more of what our teams are doing as we continue on. Take a listen as Les shares the thoughts behind the 40X process and how you can incorporate 40X in your personal life. From Franklin Covey, here is the always memorable, veritable guru of 40X, Les Kashner. Les, it's been a fun day so far, uh, getting to hear from all of our teams and what they're doing. Um, appreciate you taking a moment here to sit down with me and share a little bit about Franklin Covey, the four disciplines of execution, and, and what that all entails. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a good morning for uh, me as well as as we were chatting with a number of leaders in the room. Um, it's it's not I don't get a chance always to find a group of people who kind of share their enthusiasm, their smarts, and and kind of the overall culture of an organization like I experienced this morning as, as we went through kind of our review of some of the progress teams are making, which was really fun for me. So for, for our listeners here, we haven't necessarily uh, explained, especially to our drivers, what 40X, what four disciplines of execution is. You want to do a brief snapshot of, of what that looks like, what those four disciplines are? Yeah. Yeah. Four disciplines is actually an idea that uh, we, we, Franklin Covey, have been working on for about 15 years. And basically, it's, it's about the idea of how do we help an organization that's going 1,000 miles an hour, trying to do all sorts of stuff, get focused. And so that's the first discipline. It's, it's how do we get focused around something organizationally? Um, the, the importance of that in 2019 is, as you well know, we have a lot of distractions on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And so, so we help, help an organization kind of pick that thing that it wants to focus on. Um, the, the second discipline is what we call act on lead measures. And as, as you heard this morning, when a team figures out what it's going to focus on, and by the way, what it needs to focus on are, should be related to what the organization is focusing on, mm-hmm. then we try to get the, the team to figure out what are those leverage points that if we focused on and tracked would help us improve our goal. The third discipline speaks to the idea of engagement. And you saw a lot of that this morning. Right. I mean, clearly people were asking questions and uh, frontline leaders or people on the teams were, were engaged around, hey, here's what we've tried, here's what's worked, here's what hasn't worked. Yeah. And, and, and it's, about, it's about getting human beings to, to buy in on something that's meaningful and get excited about it. The last discipline, discipline four, is called creating a cadence of accountability. And that simply put is we believe a weekly or in some cases daily conversation around how well we're doing is really important. Right. Um, If you think, for instance, uh, if you had a son or a daughter and they were struggling in a class at school, would you talk to them once a month? 
No. Would you talk to them once a week? No. Yeah, You'd probably be yeah. saying daily, yeah. honey, have you done your homework? Honey, how's, how was your test score? And so this, this cadence... Uh, and it's not nagging. <laughs> right. it, it, it's it's a cadence of how uh, how are you doing? Because uh, it, I'm really sincere, and you're sincere about getting better at something. And so uh, those are the disciplines. And so they they're kind of a boxed set. Right. And does this work if you take one of those elements out? Well, we think it's a dramatic drop off. Most organizations do discipline one and discipline four. For instance, most companies, they set a goal or goals, and they do have meetings. What most companies don't do is get employees to think about what are the activities that we need to do to drive to get this goal, nor do they do a good job of scoreboarding. So let let me personalize this a little bit. And let's just talk about... If I'm an individual, how does this relate to me? And so I want you to picture a time when you have been most excited about work, when you've just been on fire, where it made sense and it was like, yeah, I can't wait to get going. I bet you were real clear on what you wanted to get done. You were real clear on this goal. You were probably also really clear on what you needed to do to accomplish to get at that goal. You probably also had some method with which you were tracking and, you know, how am I doing against this? And, and there was also this sense of accountability, right? I, I, I'm holding myself to a standard and I don't want to let myself down because I know that this is a big doggone deal. And so almost all of us, as I asked that question, have you ever experienced that? I'll kind of go, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I've had that. And, and when I click through the questions, just as I could see in your face, mm-hmm. you're kind of going, oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I was kind of, I had that, you know, yeah, I had that, yeah. and I had that. And that's really the spirit. But let's do that with 500 people or 1,000 people or 5,000 people. Right. Scale that's really that. what we're trying to do. I mean, it's not easy, but yeah. that is the essence of it. How important is leadership in this process of identifying what's wildly important? Leadership is critical because at the end of the day, leaders get paid to figure out where north is for us. Or, you know, what's, what's our direction, right? Uh, leaders who don't do that let kind of the organization spin. And we do think that leaders should help provide direction on where the company is headed. And in, in many cases, uh, and here again, if I look at it as an individual contributor, um, if you're a father or you're a husband or you're, you're a, a partner, um, your job is, is to make sure that you and whoever that team is has some sense of what's important to us and where we're headed. And so, yeah, we think it's, it's actually a big deal. Um, I would go so far as to say that many people do four disciplines initially because it helps them achieve goals. Right. And, and sometimes that means make more money or have more profit or, or do something very tangible that we all like to capture. And oftentimes that's translated into, do, into dollars. 
But most folks who do four disciplines over time recognize it's really much more about leadership than it is necessarily the scorekeeping of improved financial performance. So it is, it's all about leadership. How does the participation of leadership, though, differ mm. using four disciplines than, say, we would see in maybe some more traditional yeah. uh, structures? Yeah, that's actually a great question because I think there is a, a marked difference. Um, I think four disciplines works well in a service industry, for the way my bias. And the reason that I say that is I think in a service business like yours or, or any non-manufacturing organization, there's a lot of human variability here, right? The, people are not widgets. I, I know we're speaking to a, a driver audience. There's no two routes the same. There are no two drivers the same. Mm-hmm. There's no two days of weather that's the same. There's no two days of road construction that's the same. That's huge variability. And, and a driver and an organization that supports the driver has to figure that out every day, every mile. And, and so because of that, four disciplines says, let's set a direction, but then let's let the employees figure out how we're going to get that. And that's why engagement is so important. Yeah. So I, I, if, I, if you could picture this, there's a little bit of top down, but there's a lot of bottom up. Right. This works best when both of those two fingers kind of meet in the middle. Employees need direction or frontline folks need direction on where we're headed. But once they do, then the leaders have to step back and they have trust that folks are smart people and they can figure some things out that I can't ever figure out three levels removed from where the work is happening. And that's, that's really what your organization has done a nice job of over the last three years. You talked about that, that third discipline being on dealing with engagement. Yes. Transferring some of that ownership of your responsibility to yourself mm-hmm. as an employee mm-hmm. has a huge effect on, on your level of engagement. It's the, it's the name of the game, right? I, I, I don't care unless I feel like I own it and whatever it is. Now, once I take responsibility and say, yeah, this is something I really own, then you don't have to worry about whether or not I'm going to come in early, stay late, work through lunch hour, um, because I want to I get this thing taken care of and handled. And, um, and I, think, I think in your organization, you have a lot of that naturally. Um, you know, your culture really does have... Uh, Uh, There's another author, um, Patrick Lencioni, has a book um, called The Ideal Team Player. And in that book, he says the three attributes of an ideal team player are hungry, humble, and smart. And actually, you have a lot of people who fit that profile. Um, They they do want to be successful. They want to succeed. They, they want to get their miles or they, they want to do whatever it is. There is a degree of humility um, that I think people tend to have in your culture. They're not full of themselves. You know, you're not going to walk around seeing people, you know, pound their chest and say how smart they are. Um, so there's a really nice sense of humility, which, which then means... Mm-hmm. 
people are listen are willing to listen to other people and learn from other people. Mm-hmm. And then also there's a degree of smartness. Mm-hmm. And the smartness that I'm talking about isn't about IQ as much as it is about what we would call emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. EQ. Right. Right. Um, ability to interact in a group, uh, the ability to be sensitive to somebody else as well as your needs. And so when I s- listen to driver managers who are, who, who are going through great pains, who are attempting to say, how do I do right by the driver? How do I do right by the customer? How do I do right by the maintenance group? <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot right. more of that EQ happening than oftentimes I see in organizations, which here again is a real credit to your culture. In a company like ours, we are constantly trying to innovate and mm-hmm. push our boundaries. Yep. And that generates lots of good ideas. Mm-hmm. I know through 40X here, talk about the law of diminishing returns. Yeah, yeah. And there's lots of good ideas out there. Mm-hmm. But talk about the importance of focusing on the wildly important. Yeah, that's a great question, too. Well, many organizations take a shotgun approach to goal setting. You know, if, if, we, if we shoot at 14 things and we hit six, that's a good thing, right? And I think our bias is we would rather go in and take somewhat of a rifle approach. And that is, is let's... Let's actually discern some things are more important than others. And so, you know, what's interesting about four disciplines, because we talk about creating a wildly important goal. Um, I think your organization has many wildly important goals. The question that you really want to get people to get their head around is what's the wildly important gap that we want to close? As a matter of fact, if we had if we had the chance to rewrite the book today, <laughs> we'd probably call them in a wildly important gap. And so not all goals that you and I have need to actually be focused on. Some of them are operating pretty well. And so are they still important? Doggone right they are. It's just that it wouldn't be worthy of necessarily applying this treatment of this thing called four disciplines, just like you do it at, at your home. There, there are many things you're trying to do in your family. You're, you're trying to spend time with your, your wife or your children. You're trying to nurture a hobby or nurture some other interest, or you're working on some project at home. And as, as, as men and women, we need to step back and ask ourselves, in my life, where's the wildly important gap? And I think that's an important question. Some people probably have bigger gaps in their non-work life than they do in their work life. And, and so once again, I think uh, Four Disciplines has great application as individuals in thinking about the non-work life side. And, and how does that look? What does that look like? Um, I was having a conversation the other week with a, a gentleman, and he was identifying, well, you know, my, my wildly important gap actually is with my daughters. I said, tell me more about that. Well, one daughter is 15, one is 17, one is 18. So in other words, two out of three are out of the nest. Mm-hmm. And, and he's starting to feel this loss. 
You know, as girls are now women, they're they're growing up, and and I said, well, it sounds to me like you know your gap that you ought to work on over the next six to nine months is how do I spend as much time as I possibly can with maybe all three of them or one or two of them, whatever that looks like, and that was a heck of a conversation because oftentimes we don't think about that until it's too late, right? They all of a sudden then get married or they take a life, they move to San Jose, California or wherever it is, and and you kind of go, now they're gone. And and so his gap that he wants to really work on, no, he doesn't, he's not going to stop working, but he's going to make home, sure he's home at 5.30 more often on the evening and that he doesn't miss as many of his soccer games for the young one. And his daughter who is, you know, thinking about colleges and he's attending and going on some of the weekend trips to some of the universities because he knows, you know, the, the time is really limited. Yeah. It comes back to that focus. Exactly. What is the best way to define success in your wildly important goal? Mm. Well, we like to have people use the formula. We like to use the formula of an X to Y by when. And that sort of forces people into quantifying it, right? As opposed to just saying, uh, you know, I want, uh, I want to be happy. You know, um, we're, we're, we we know that that's the goal. But what what are the things I want to make sure that actually I'm taking, you know, three weeks of time with my family in the next nine months, and I'm going to schedule that. And and so once you do that, it, one it creates it pours a little concrete in this mm-hmm. conversation, and then you start to say, well, how, what are we going to do? And well, maybe that requires some planning, and we're going to figure out what the activities are that we're going to do. But it, it, it creating an X to Y by when is really important. So you've got your starting point. Yep. You've got this is where I want to get to. Yep. And this is the time I want to take. You use an example of putting a man on the moon. Yes. Yeah. And, and how that changed just the space industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when you think about the man on the moon, um, NASA, uh, NASA was formed back in the early 50s. And uh, President Eisenhower at the time uh, formed NASA. And NASA was to be the global leader in space exploration. Lofty vision statement. Absolute sounds great. And the Russians were our kick in our butt. Right? Everything that happened in the space program in the 50s and 60s, the Russians beat us to it. Mm-hmm. First unmanned space, first whatever it is, first docking. I mean, they just every step of the way. And it wasn't until Kennedy, you know, stands in front of a group of people and says, we're actually going to the moon. We're going to bring them back safely. That was, by the way, very important for recruiting. And, Presumably so. Yeah. <laughs> and, and by the end of the decade. Now, the question that you ask is, is the second he said that, what did all the employees at NASA say? They probably said, oh, oh crap. Crap, right? <laughs> and they say, do you think engagement went up or down at NASA? Guaranteed it had to go up. Yeah, and why is that? Why do you think that went up? Well, we think it went up because when you get serious about a real clear goal and you get very definitive about it, 
it almost always creates some level of excitement and maybe a little bit of of fear, right? And we think that's okay. You're most alive when you're going after something that's not a layup. When you know this is this is going to require me to do something different. This is going to require me to learn something new. I mean, we were, we were talking this morning about the the goal that your wildly important goal of of the team you have around creating podcasts. Yeah, this is new territory for you, and and you're learning and you're trying to do stuff. And there's some things that are successful, and others you kind of go, well, maybe we'll do this differently next time. Right. But what an exciting time! I mean, this is really cool. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it's, it's a bit like that. And once, yeah. once Kennedy did that and created a very definitive X to Y by when, mm-hmm. he was then able to get departments in NASA to create some goals. Mm-hmm. And the three goals that they set, in order to me- get a man on the moon, they had to figure out three things. They had to fr- figure out something called propulsion. They had to figure out life support. And they had to figure out trajectory. And all three of those had probably two or three annual goals that needed to occur in order for us to say by 69 in July, we're actually going to be able to launch this thing and have human beings take off and come back. And so that clarity of that high-level goal allowed clarity of next-level-down goals. Right. And here again, that's that's kind of the punchline of what 4DX is about in an organization. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and drilling down further then into the practical um, measurements, you have lag measures yep. and you've got lead measures. Yes. Describe the difference between those, how those are not the same mm-hmm. and how one affects the other. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the example we typically almost always use has to do with losing weight, right? Losing weight could be the wig, there's a gap. I want to go from X weight down to Y weight by Labor Day or whatever it is, right? So mm-hmm. that's the X to Y by when. But then when you ask yourself, what do I need to do? What do I need to do in order to achieve that? There are some levers. And lead measures are leverage. And so typically, most of us would say, unless you have a metabolism issue, there's going to be something about caloric restriction, calorie intake, mm-hmm. or metabolism upping, right? How do I Im- increase my level of burning calories? And so it's diet and exercise. So if you've ever talked to somebody who's been really successful in losing 40, 50, 100 pounds, typically they're energized, they're engaged, right? Mm-hmm. They want to tell, tell the story. But almost immediately they start telling you and they'll pull out a, a book or they'll, they'll show you a, an app and they'll start to explore with you what they are tracking and they're, track, and they're almost always tracking lead measures. And so it's the ability to get the relationship between me tracking something every day that I know if I do consistently is going to help me, in this case, lose weight. That lead measure is indicative of success in the lag measure. That's correct. That's correct. Or or predictive of success. Yep. So with the lead measures, then you drill down just a little bit further Mm -hmm. and you now create commitments to 
make the lead measures happen. That's right, because those little lead measures don't happen just by clicking your heels and saying, I want to lose weight, right? It kind of requires me to change my behavior and my commitments on a weekly basis against how I'm going to implement my lead measures is the behavior change that would hopefully help me to sustain that. I like most of you listening to this podcast travel all the time. And so diet and exercise every week is a is a crazy thing for me, right? You know, sometimes I leave on Monday, so I'll get to work out on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And when I'm home, my wife cooks wonderful, healthy food. And then on Tuesday morning, you know, I'm not at a truck stop, but I'm in an airport. And my and I got the same passion and sins staring me in the face as some of you do. Oh. Right? And and it's you know, I'm now using a, an app called Noon, I think it is. Yeah. And um, it's actually pretty good because it, it allows you to track what you consume. Um, it also serves as a a uh, tracker if you're going to walk. In my case, I can usually get out and walk around a little bit during the day. But every my my week is completely different. So every week I've got to ask myself, what? Well, okay, so what am I going to do on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday? Oh, I know that there's a, a, a workout space at the Marriott where I stayed last night. And so I, I kind of figure out what my plan is going to be for the week to help me stay on track. And those are my commitments. So uh, tell me maybe some fun stories from your experience mm-hmm. uh, where you've seen just some really uh, maybe outstanding or surprising uh, initiatives. Wow. I mean, there have just been some wonderful stories. I've worked with some nonprofit organizations, and nonprofits usually you kind of think they're not very focused. They're not very business-like. And I've seen them really take off with you know, helping improve the lives of young children and stuff like that. Um, and, and so those are probably some of the most emotional things when you're sure. doing work um, with people like that when you're, you're actually saving children. Yeah. Um, and so that's pretty doggone exciting. Uh, you know, I've, I've had the good fortune of doing this for about 13 years so it's I've, I've worked with the Pentagon I've worked with the utility companies I worked in profit nonprofit organizations big companies small companies I, I don't know if I would say there's a success that stands out more I just I find that when when this is done right this helps people feel good about work and gives them more satisfaction about feeling like they make a difference. And and even though I like to see companies make more profit because of doing this, at the end of the day, I am much more satisfied when I see a group of people where I know a frontline employee who maybe never used to say anything now feels like she's got a voice and she's being heard and it's her lead measure and she actually is starting to open up and talk more at a team level and and feel like her voice is being heard and and I, to me the, to me that's the real satisfaction that I guess I get than yeah. a number and I think at the end of the day you know most of our jobs aren't very sexy you know I, I'm a consultant I schlep my luggage through airports 
you know. <laughs> there is nothing exotic about what I do. There's nothing exotic about what most of us do in and of itself. The work itself is the work. And so I, I, I truly believe that our job as leaders or my job as a consultant is, is to help people feel, whatever that job is, that they're important, we need them to give their finest, they need to give their best energy, and they need, I think, to add a little bit of themselves to it, whatever that is, right? Because at the end of the day, that's all we really have to give to anybody. And in a service industry, that's all there is. Les, thanks so much for huh, taking time you. to sit with me and, and be here. It's always fun when you're here. I've had the opportunity to mm-hmm. uh, be a facilitator a couple times and, and now a coach this time around. Yeah. And, uh, so each time you've been around, I've, I've had an opportunity to sit in sessions with you. And and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, something kind of look forward to. Yeah, it's maybe half a day, day out of uh, nice. my week. And and it, it can be exhausting uh, during that time. But at the same time, there's something kind of rejuvenating at, at the same time, mm-hmm. having you here and going through and seeing what everybody is doing. Wow. And and all the different departments and how everybody is coming together to attack this one single goal that we're we're going to focus on together yeah. and, and accomplish together and and truly believe that we are going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. So thanks so much uh, for for being here and and all of your encouragement and and advice and challenging questions at times. But uh, mm-hmm. really appreciate you, Les. Thank you so much. Bye bye. You've been listening to Terminal Exchange, the official podcast show of NewsBomb Transportation. NewsBomb is a recognized leader in over-the-road freight transportation. For more information on NewsBomb's dedicated and truckload services, visit newsbomb.com. Drivers can expect different when driving for NewsBomb. Top pay, weekly guarantees, and excellent equipment are just the beginning. At NewsBomb, you're not just an employee, you're an employee owner. Find out more about driving for NewsBomb at newsbombjobs.com and hit apply now. Drive with purpose. Drive with NewsBomb. Thanks for listening to this episode of Terminal Exchange. With new episodes arriving every Tuesday, don't let FOMO get the best of you. Subscribe to our show anywhere you listen to podcasts to get every exchange as soon as it's released. Then go deeper into each exchange or listen to previous episodes at our podcast page terminalexchange.org.